Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word as we continue our series, Just Keep Swimming, learning everything there is to know about perseverance, the ability to patiently endure. How many of you have had to endure a few things this week? Just this week alone. All right, so get ready for this word. As we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1 through 8, and it says this, Finally, we could stand it no longer. We decided to stay in Athens, and we sent Timothy to visit you. This is visiting a church. He's our brother and God's co-worker and proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by troubles that you were going through. But you know that we are destined for troubles. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did, as you well know. That is why, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter, that's Satan, I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. And he reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and our suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. Let me read that last one. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. And I want to share with you verse 5. Let's go to verse 5. This is where this message came to my heart. And it says, When I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. And notice what Paul said. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you. I want to preach on that. Today's message is titled, Don't Let It Get the best of you. Before I pray, help me pray. Tell, tell your neighbor right now, whoever your neighbor is, look at them right now and tell them, don't let it get the best of you. Come on, don't let it get the best of you. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help us to understand it. Help me preach. Help us to live it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Don't let it get the best of you. Come on, say that loud with me. Don't let it get the best of you. And how many of you know that if anything can get the best of you, it's two things, trouble or troublemakers, amen? Those are the two things that get the best of you. And this message really came to me on Monday because I was alone in the house and I was attempting to make some, some lunch. And, and I went over to the, to the cabinet and as I got to the cabin, I was looking for all the spices, all the seasonings. And I did something that I didn't realize was a bad idea. But see, this is our little spice rack that we have in our house. And when I was looking for the Goya, you know the Goya. When I was looking for it, I think I spun this too hard. And everything just fell apart. And everything just became messy. And when I looked at that, I thought about you guys. You're a mess. But I thought about our church. Because our church has gone through some messy times, amen? amen. I thought about you guys, because yes, some of you have been in some messes. But I thought about us in general, because I wonder... How many people in their lives, how maybe you this morning, it feels like your life is just spinning out of control. And your life is just spinning so out of control and it's just leaving a mess in every area in your life. 
And it's really hard for the spices to stand firm because everything is just spinning completely out of control. And it's so hard for us to stand firm sometimes in the Word of God, stand firm in our faith when you look at your life and everything around you seems to be spinning completely out of control. And it looks like everything around you is a mess. And it can feel like life is spinning so out of control that it's hard for you to even stand firm because everything is just out of control. Out of control. So many people feel like that. Maybe your life feels like it's spinning out of control. Look at... It feels like sometimes maybe your finances are completely spinning out of control. And it's hard to pay the bills. It's hard to catch up with the credit card. It's even hard to fill up your gas tank. But I'm not blaming anyone for that. Yeah, I am. It's Biden. Listen, so it's hard. I filled up this morning. And I said, this is out of control. And maybe you're a parent. And it feels like your teen is out of control. And you're just spinning out of control. And you're like, I don't know how or what I'm going to do with them. They're just crazy. They're going through these phases. And I can't seem to stand firm and get control of my children. Maybe it's your marriage. You're saying, my marriage is out of control. And we're just up and down and left and right and fighting and blaming and bickering. And the love is gone. It's just out of control. And it's hard to stand firm. I think about divorce. I think about separation. I think about just leaving because it's just out of control. And maybe you're single and not married. And all the married people are saying, lucky. But anyway, maybe you're single and that's out of control and you're swiping left and right and getting set up and nothing's out there. You're like, there's no hope. It's out of control. Emotionally, you might be out of control, spinning out of control. You're happy, you're sad, you're anxious, you're afraid. You're happy, you're sad, you're anxious and afraid and your emotions are out of control. We watch the news and everything seems like it's out of control. It seems like our country is spinning out of control. If you've ever been there, where it feels like your life is just spinning so much, and everything is just completely out of control, then you could understand what Paul was saying in the opening verse we just read. Let me give you a little background. But see, Paul was writing to a church like ours who everything, everything they were going through was out of control. See, Paul went to Thessalonica he preached to these people and they got saved. And they started following Jesus and their lives got better. But then one day Paul was preaching and the Bible says, this is in Acts 17 if you guys want to read it at home, but the Bible says that a lot of troublemakers came, they were jealous of Paul, and they got a crowd against him. They caused a massive riot in the streets. A mob came out. And all of a sudden, they tried to find Paul and kill him. That's how bad it got that Paul had to run completely out of the city and go into hiding. And when they couldn't find Paul, they turned on all the other Christians. And all of a sudden, the entire city started looking for Christians to kill. Looking for Christians to imprison. Looking for Christians to make them suffer. So if you were a Christian at that moment, you felt like everything was spinning out of control and you weren't certain whether you were going to live or die. You weren't certain if after service your members of the church or your family were going to die. It had You had no idea what was going to happen. So as a result, the people were afraid. The people were discouraged. The people were anxious. And they weren't sure what was going to happen. And it felt like everything was out of control. They were just spinning out of control. And Paul writes this letter. Say, 
Paul tells Timothy, I want you to go over to the church. And I just want you to find out if they're standing firm. I want to know if they gave up. I want to know if they're persevering. I want to know if they kept swimming. I want to know if they kept believing. I want to know if they kept praying. I want to know if they kept serving God. I want to know because I know that when I left them, they were in trouble. And he sends Timothy. And Timothy, he goes to find out whether they're firm or not. And Paul writes this letter to them. And Paul says, the one thing I'm afraid is that the devil got the best of you. Now pay attention because Paul tells these Christians, the one thing I'm afraid of is that the devil got the best of you. And Paul says, I warned you that trouble will come. I told you that you were destined for trouble. I told you that trouble could not even be avoided. But what I'm afraid of is that your life is spinning so out of control and life is so hard for you right now and life is so unfair for you right now. And what I'm afraid is that God is making so much no sense right now to you that the devil has gotten the best of you. When I read that, I realized that when life goes out of control and it feels like everything's a mess and everything is just spinning, it's easy for us to not stay firm. It's easy for us to kind of give up on God and give up on church and give up on prayer. It's easy for us to let the devil get the best of us when life is hard. But see, that day when I spun this out of control, I noticed something. The salt stood firm. And you know your pastor has to study this. And I said, wait a minute. And I stood there and I said, why did all of you guys fall off? Why did all of you guys just fall apart? And what is so different about you, salt, that stood firm? You know what it was? is where it stood, in the center. You want to know why Christians are so different from people in the world? Because we all get spun. We all go through the same thing. You're a Christian or a non-Christian, you're going to go through the spinner, amen? You're not exempt from trouble. That's what Paul said. But you know how we are to stand out is by where we stand. And when you're a believer, you should stand in the center of God. And your life is centered on God. Your life is centered on the Word of God. Your life is centered on the church of God. Your life is centered on prayer. Your life is centered on faith. Your life, no matter what you're going through, everyone else goes through what you go through. But the difference is everyone else falls apart but you remain firm because you are led not by your thoughts, your emotions, or anything else. You are standing firm and God is the center of your life. God is the priority of your life. God is where you stand in the middle. And God says, when I'm the center of your life and everything spins and spins and spins, you stand firm because you are centered on me. You know what the problem with a lot of believers is? Their lives get just as messy as the world because God is not the center of your life. You don't put God first in your life. You don't put God first in your day. Your life is centered on your job. Your life is centered on your children. 
Your life is centered on your hobbies. Your life is centered on pleasure. Your life is centered on money. And when you put God on the side and life spins out, guess what happens? You end up in a big mess. And people say, Pastor, my life's out of control. I say, hey, so is mine. But Pastor, I, 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 I'm worried, I'm stressed, I'm anxious. So am I. No, you don't understand. Yeah, I do understand. But why is it that I'm just falling apart and everything's a mess? It's because God is saying, I'm not the center of your life. Everything else is. God says, seek me first and all other things will be added on to you. That word first literally means of most important and priority. And you want God to give you the best, but you don't want to give your best to God. Happy Thanksgiving. I know I'm preaching good. Listen. You're not centered. So see, when everything spins out of control, so did the salt. The salt was spinning too, going through the same thing. But see, the fact that it was on the center means that the center of gravity kept it firm. You want to experience the power of God in your life? I ask you this, is He the center of your life? Is He priority? And many people, the devil gets the best of you because God's not priority. He's just something you do on Sunday if you can. He's just something you do on Sundays if you're not tired. If you have time if it's convenient. But when life spins out of control, don't you go crying to God when He's not the center of your life. I can end the sermon right now and send you home. But there's more. Because I don't want the devil to get the best of you. And maybe you've been letting him. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, my life's in trouble and everything's spinning out of control. Can I tell you in Jesus' name, I don't feel sorry for you. I don't. Because you know what you have in common with everyone? All of us are spinning out of control, people. All of us are stressed. All of us are mistreated. All of us have it hard. You're not the only one. You know why I don't feel sorry for you? Because all of us are getting spun. And I don't feel sorry for anyone that doesn't put God in the center of their life. You stand firm. But only when God's in the middle. When God's in the center. And I'm afraid that too many believers... The devil's getting the best of you through troubles, through people and troublemakers. And the one thing Paul was worried about was I'm afraid the tempter is getting the best of you. How is it that the devil gets the best of us? Simple. It's in three and three ways only. You guys ready? Number one, the devil gets the best of you by getting the best of your thoughts. Look at John chapter 16, verse 33. Look at what Jesus said. I've told you these things so that you may know, notice, so that you, in me, you may have peace. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. And notice what Jesus says. In this world, you will have what? He doesn't say you might. Maybe. He says to his disciples, his followers, believers alike, you will have trouble. If Jesus said it, maybe today I will remind you, you will have trouble. So stop telling yourself and asking God, why am I going through this? Why am I suffering? Why is everything so hard? And Jesus will say, because in this world... You will have trouble. 
Some of you can say amen to this now. Because you have trouble in your life. Some of you are married to trouble. Some of you are raising trouble. Some of you are working with trouble. Trouble is everywhere. I preach to trouble. I go to church with trouble. I'm not married to trouble. I'm married to chaos. Not kidding. <laughs> I'm going to get it now. <laughs> get ready, JJ's like, <laughs> Jesus said, You will have trouble. But notice what Jesus also said before this in John 14.1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That word heart literally means your inner thoughts. So Jesus says, you can't avoid trouble. You're going to have trouble. But don't you allow your thoughts to trouble you as a result of what's troubling you. You get it? Jesus says, you're going to have trouble, but don't let the trouble trouble your thoughts. And see, a lot of us, we don't realize this. But the devil gets the best of us through your thoughts. And some of you, you're spinning out of control and you're a mess because of the way you think. Your thoughts impact the view you have of yourself. Your thoughts will impact the way you view others. Your thoughts will impact the way you view your life. Your impact on God is determined by your thoughts. Let me break it down to you this way. You're one thought away from bondage or freedom. You are one thought away from a life of bondage and freedom. And Jesus says, do not allow yourself to be troubled in your thoughts, meaning if your troubling thoughts are coming into your life, it's your choice. You've allowed it. You say, well, pastor, how do I fix my... The devil's getting the best of me through my thoughts, and he does. Suppose you get mad at someone. Don't you realize that you get angry and resentful towards someone because you entertain thoughts? Am I the only one? So let, let's just say for a moment, let's say I'm, I'm mad at Nancy. I don't know why. Just mad at Nancy. She, she said something, offended. I don't know. You know, I could have right now at that moment, I have a choice to make. A thought's going to come about Nancy. The first thought says, I can't believe she did that. The nerve! And another thought came, you know why she did that? Because she doesn't care. Oh, oh, she's actually selfish. You know what? Nancy, and thoughts come, she's horrible. She's the worst. And all of a sudden, all I think about is negative thoughts towards Nancy. And next time I see Nancy, do you think I'm going to be like, hey girl, hi, how are you? Oh my God, I love you. What am I going to do? Huh. It's Nancy. Hmm. But if I change my thoughts... And I said, you know, David, yeah, she did what she did, but no one's perfect. But Nancy's always been kind to you. She's always been there for you. Nancy loves you. I love Nancy. And I start thinking about the positive things about her. You know what happens? I overpower my thoughts. So many of us, the devil gets the best of you because you entertain negative thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 says this, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war. He, you know, Paul says it best. He's talking about a battle. He's talking about a war. You know there's a battle and a war going on in your thoughts? 
Every day you wake up, there's an unseen battle and that battle is in here. And you're going to battle fear and anxiety and depression and worry and hatred and anger and love and joy and peace and kindness. You're going to battle with those things. They're battling with one another. And the battlefield is here. So Paul says, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. And notice what he says here. The weapons we fight are not with weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have a divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. Listen, what the Bible says can change your life. The Bible says that you have the power to demolish strongholds. And the devil gets the best of you because he sets up a stronghold in your mind. A stronghold is a fortress that was set up to make it impossible for the opponent enemy to come through. They couldn't go through because the fortress was strong. When the Bible talks about a stronghold, it's talking about a pattern of thinking that dominates your life. Some of your strongholds might be anger. And that's where the devil has gotten the best of you. Some of your stronghold might be guilt. And you're always down on yourself. You're always blaming yourself. You're always pointing yourself to be the victim. And I'm the reason that life is hard. Some of your strongholds is lust. Some of your strongholds is jealousy. But see, a stronghold is a pattern of thinking that dominates your life. And God says, you have the power to demolish any stronghold in your life by taking every thought captive. That word captive literally means to overpower and take control. Because when it comes to your thoughts, they're either controlling you or you're controlling them. But control is given to your thoughts when you entertain the stronghold in your mind. So, well, Pastor, how do I overcome the strongholds in my thoughts? Align your words, your thoughts, and make it obedient to Christ. You know what you do when those thoughts come into your life? You center those thoughts on the Word of God. What does God say about it? Your stronghold might be fear. What if I lose my job? What if I can't pay the bills? What if I lose my house? What if I'm out on the street? What if Biden gets a second term? What if inflation never stops? What if it's not transitory? What if I can't afford, I can't even afford a turkey right now. Oh my gosh, how am I going to afford the rest of the year? What's going to happen to my kids, their school, their future? And you're spinning. But when you're unscented on the word of God, you say, my Lord will supply all my needs according to his riches. He is faithful. He is just. He will make a way when there is no way. The Lord knows what I need. The Bible says not to worry about my life what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. The Bible says, for God knows what I need and He will supply it in its time. The Bible says, I have never seen a child of God begging for bread. So the devil can spin you all he wants, but you maintain peace because your thoughts are centered not on what's going on, not in what people say. It's centered on the Word of God. But in order for you to be centered on the Word of God, God needs to be the center of your life. And you can't say that you're centered on the Word of God if you don't, can't even spend 10 minutes in it. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too stressed. And some of you, the most words you get of God is on Sunday mornings. 
There's a problem with that. See, the Bible says whether you're thinking fear, worry, guilt, insecurity, you understand that today we're living in one of the highest stress levels that we've ever lived in this country? Do you know that suicide and depression was on the low, but somehow after 2020, it is the highest it's ever been? Did you know that divorce is at its peak right now? Why is that happening? Because the devil is getting the best of people with their thoughts. And Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform any longer to the world. You're different than the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed, be changed. Even when life doesn't change. Even when my problems don't change. If I change the way I think, it will change my life. And the devil cannot get the best of me when my thoughts are centered on the Word of God. And you experience peace. The second one. Because if thoughts control you, guess what happens next? The devil gets the best of your thoughts. Then he'll get the best of you through your emotions. Uncontrollable thoughts will lead to damaging emotions. And emotions will very much deceive you. You will feel things that aren't true. You will feel fear that isn't there. You will feel things that are not accurate to what's really happening in the kingdom of God. And I believe at such a time as this, we need to hear this word. Because a lot of people are emotional. What's the one complaint now from Generation Z? You hurt my feelings. What's the difference between a, a baby boomer and a Generation Z? What's the difference? One has feelings, the other one doesn't. They just had this strength about them. Whatever I feel doesn't matter. See, I love how God tells us, your heart is deceitful above all things. Because if you live your life by how you feel, you will never experience the true peace and joy of the Lord. Because you're going to feel, guess what? I woke up today, I did not feel like going to church. Oh, I told Jericho, do we have to go today? Yeah, you're the pastor. Okay. I woke up and the rain and it's just comfortable and I felt, and I felt, I mean, I feel, but I can't live my life by what I feel. You're going to feel like quitting. You're going to feel like you're the worst person ever. You're going to feel like God is mad at you. You're going to feel like things are never going to get better. And the devil gets the best of you through your emotions. Look at what Paul said in this letter to a church in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-10. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, talking to Christians about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. And notice how honest Paul gets. He says, we were under great pressure. Can you relate to that right now? We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. And notice when Paul was under so much pressure, far beyond what he thought he could not endure, something happened. The devil got the best of him. He said, we despaired even at life. We despaired even at life. And notice what happens next. Indeed, 
in our hearts. Now that word hearts is not inner thoughts. That word hearts now is another Greek word that means your emotions. So Paul says, in my emotions, I felt a sentence of death. But this happens so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know, Paul says something so profound to us as a church. Paul says, I was going through hardship. I was overwhelmed with stress so much that I couldn't even endure it. And all of a sudden, I fell into this despair. Now, despair is far different than depression. Depression is real. Depression is debilitating. Depression is when your thoughts begin to affect your emotions. It'll affect your daily life. It will keep you from sleep or sleeping too much. It will keep you from eating or eating too much. It will change your mood. It will cause you not to get up. You begin to lose interest in life. You begin to isolate yourself from people. You begin to have a negative self-image of yourself. Great godly men in the Bible went through depression. So if you're going through that, don't be hard on yourself. Even Elijah, the great man of God and prophet, went through a season of great depression where all he wanted to do was sleep and die. It was hard for him. It's a feeling of, of hopelessness. Despair is different though. Despair is a lot more dangerous. Because despair and depression are a lot alike. The only difference is, with despair, you get up. With despair, you go to work. You go to church. You raise your family. You preach. You smile. You post nice pictures on Instagram. But on the inside, you're hopeless. On the inside, you're dealing with sadness and fear and anxiety and guilt. And your depression is on the inside, but on the outside, no one can even know. That's why Paul had to be honest and said, I don't want you to be misled. Why did Paul say that? It's because everyone looked at Paul and they thought he was faithful, he was strong, he was peaceful, he was happy. But Paul says, I want to be honest with you guys. You saw me preaching, you saw me teaching, you saw me serving. But deep down inside, Paul said, I was depressed. My emotions got the best of me. There's a lot of people that confuse depression with despair. It's the same thing, except one causes you to get up and live your life and pretend like nothing's wrong. And your emotions are getting the best of you. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to get the best of you. I'll never forget where I learned about despair. I was a young pastor, and me and my brother, we went to Texas to go to this conference for pastors. And I was going to listen to some of the greatest teachers that I, that I grew up with. Thanks, thanks to my parents, they, they brought me up listening to these phenomenal teachers. And I, I went to this conference, and I was really looking forward to this one pastor because I've read all his books, and, and I've seen all his videos, and, and I was like so excited. And he didn't make it to the conference. And his wife comes out, and says, church, my pastor, my, my, my husband won't be making it tonight. Because sadly, he was going through despair and he ended his life. And what happened was, the Sunday before, two Sundays before the conference, he told his wife, get the kids and, and go to church and I'll meet you there. And when they were all gone, he got a gun and he shot himself. 
That's despair. Because no one knew what he was going through. Everyone saw him in church, serving, worshiping, writing books, but they didn't know that the devil was getting the best of him through his emotions. And when you're living with despair, you kind of just check out of life. But you have the pressure to stay happy and smiling and strong and faithful, and you have to still be the best parent, the best Christian, the best co-worker, and you have all this pressure, but deep down inside you're in despair, and the devil gets the best of you through your emotions when you don't control your thoughts. And Paul said, but this happened so that I may rely on God. You know what Paul said? My life was spinning. And there were all these hardships I was going through and suffering beyond what I was able to handle. But I aligned my emotions with God. So that I would rely on Him. See, when you rely, that word rely literally means to trust. When you trust in your emotions, it's going to spin you out of control. But when you are in the middle where your life is making no sense and it's spinning out of control and you're going through hardships and difficulties and your emotions are afraid and worried and depressed and anxious and lonely, that's where you have to run to God and put Him in the center of your life and say, Lord, no matter what I go through, I'm going to trust you and not what I feel because if I trust what I feel I'm going to spin out of control but when I trust in who you are see when you're going through a lot of emotional trials you have to trust see when you're going through emotional trials you trust in the character of God when you're going through Difficult thoughts. You trust in the Word of God. So when you're going through emotional trials and you're spinning and you're happy and sad and faithful and worried and discouraged but happy and you're just up and down and it's just spinning, you trust in the character of God. You trust in who God is. He's a God of love. He's a God of provision. He's a healer. He's my strength. He's my wisdom. He's my father. He will care for me. You trust in his character. When the devil's trying to get the best of you, through your emotions. The devil will try to get the best of you through your thoughts. The devil will try to get the best of you through your emotions and despair. And the devil will get the best of you last. Ready for this one? Through your attitude. How's your attitude, church? You're saying spinning out of control. One minute I'm fine, the next I'm biting heads off. One minute I'm okay, the next I'm slamming doors and breaking walls. One second I'm fine and all of a sudden a little finger comes out. Saying the worst things, hurting people. My attitude, see... When you don't control your thoughts, it leaks down to your emotions. So your thoughts determine what you feel. Your feelings will determine how you act. Your attitude is how you act. I think, I feel, I act. Say that with me. I think, I feel, I act. And if I want to act right, I have to feel right. And But in order to feel right, I have to think right. But in order to think right, i got to put God at the center of my life. I think, I feel, I act. 
Philippians 2.5, one of the hardest verses to comply with. You must have the same attitude of that of Christ Jesus. You're probably like, well, I'm not Jesus. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. You have to have the same attitude. He doesn't say, nay, no, you have to. It is urgent. You have the same attitude of that of Christ Jesus. Jesus, of course, his attitude, it made a difference in people's lives. And Paul wrote this letter to this church while he was in prison mistreated, falsely accused. And he tells the church who is going through persecution, who are losing their lives and being murdered and burned alive, have the same attitude as Jesus. Can you imagine you're going through such a hardship and I text you or email you, hey, change your attitude, huh? But that's what Paul said. Your attitude needs to be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You want to know when you are your best as a Christian? You want to know? It's not when you're going to church, because some of you go to church, but on the way to church, you got a bad attitude. Amen? Some of you, it's not when you read the Bible, because you read the Bible, you close it, and your attitude comes back. Can I get a witness? All right. You want to know when you are your best as a Christian? You have to read Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit are attitudes. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Next verse, he says self-control. By a show of hands, show me your hands. How many of you failed this test? We need help, church. We need help. You want to know when you are your best as a Christian, your attitude looks like this. You're living your life with love and you're saying, Pastor, I hate people. There's a problem with you. There's a problem. Well, Pastor, how do I have a joyful attitude when I have to be married to this guy or go to work with this person? You're going to get spun. Well, how can I even have those attitudes? How can I have love and joy and peace? But let me ask you this honest question. How would your life change if you did operate in these attitudes? Ladies, if this was your husband right now, what would you say? Woo! <laughs> Gentlemen, if this was your wife, what would you say? <laughs> if this was your children, you'll be like, where are they? This is what it means to be a Christian. Your attitude is like Jesus. And I know the devil's getting the best of you in this area. And right now, you know how the devil's working? You're listening to me tell you this, but in your thoughts, the devil's telling you, you'll never get there. But see, how do you get to a place where you have this type of attitude and the devil doesn't get the best of you? Jesus says, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. That word means to remain. Again, you put God at the center of your life. And when you're abiding in Christ, no matter what you're going through, and you're spending time in prayer, you're spending time in His Word, you're spending time being committed and going to the church, because God says, go to church, don't neglect it. When you're centering your life on the Lord and abiding in the Lord, you begin to see this attitude changing and you become more like Jesus. The devil tries to get the best of you through your thoughts, your emotions, and your attitude. 
And if you want to see your thoughts, your emotions, and your attitude be transformed, you have to put God in the center of your life, either for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Put God at the center of your life because if you keep pushing God aside, the minute life spins, you're going to have a mess in your hands. You guys received this today? This is why people persevere. Because they put God in the center of their life. And sad, it's sad to see how many believers have all these things in their life and they kind of push God to the side and say, no, this is what I have to put in the center. My kids come first. My job comes first. My health comes first. My husband comes first. This comes first. And God says, okay, have at it. But when life spins out of control and you're left with a mess, I'll ask you, where's God in your life? Don't tell me he's the center, most important priority in your life if you're not standing firm in your faith. You guys get it? What you think is what you feel. What you feel is how you act. And the devil will get the best of you through your thoughts, through your emotions, and through your attitude. And all three of those things cannot change if God is not the center of your life. Trouble will come. Church, there is no doubt about this. Trouble will come into your life. You cannot avoid it. It will come in the more in the form of money. It will come in the name of health, in the name of a teenager, in the name of a marriage, a job, a troublemaker. It will come in the name of our country. But whatever it is, trouble cannot be avoided. You will get spun. The question is, will you persevere and stand firm in your thoughts, in your emotions, and in your attitude? It could only happen when you say, Lord, be the center of my life. And maybe he's not. But today is your chance to say, Lord, I'm putting you first again. And putting God first is more than a prayer. It is a promise to say, Lord, I'm putting you first in my choices, in my values, and how I live, and what I do. I'm putting you first above all things. And when God sees that, no matter how much your world spins, no matter how out of control things get, I promise you, you stand firm. Now close with this. In verse 7 and 8, Paul says, He was greatly encouraged in the midst of your troubles and suffering because you have remained strong in the faith. Paul was encouraged to see. And he says, it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm. Where do you stand firm? In the Lord. You don't stand firm in money. You don't stand firm in your family. You don't stand firm in this world or your own strength. You can only stand firm and strong when you stand with the Lord. But maybe that's not what you're doing in your life. It's time to change that. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, the, the devil's getting the best of my thoughts. He's getting the best of my emotions. I'm in distress. He's getting the best of my attitude. I have no love. I have no peace. I'm angry all the time. I treat people wrong. What do I do? Okay, Pastor, I get it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to do this. Listen. Some of you, your life's a mess. I get that. My question to you is, why are you staying that way? You know, so suppose you and I are driving and we get a flat tire. And we get out of the car and we're looking at this flat tire and all of a sudden, a thought comes. 
and why did this happen to me? And, and why did God leave us stranded on the road? And, and I begin to think to myself, you know what it is? It's your fault. You should have changed that. You should have put air in the tire. And in my thought, I start thinking, we're going to stay stuck forever. I'm never going to make it to church. And I'm going to stay stuck on the road. And I'm going to die on the side of the road. And my life is over. And I keep thinking and thinking and thinking. Church, does that tire get changed with all those thoughts? But then what if I get emotional and I say guilty? How can I let this tire gone flat? How did this happen? I'm the worst driver ever. I shouldn't even own a car. And then I get angry. I can't believe this dumb tire got flat. I hate it. I hate Miami. It's the potholes. It's the, the infrastructure package doesn't work and I get mad my emotions does my emotions change the tire what if I get a bad attitude and I get angry and upset and I lose peace does my attitude change the tire what changes the tire I, I, me I change the tire you know what I don't understand about people a lot of you are stranded in the same problem. You're stuck in the same situation. Your life is a mess, but yet you keep thinking the worst things, feeling the worst things, acting in the worst way, and then you say, why doesn't my life change? It's because you do nothing to change it. You want to fight about it. You want to have a bad attitude about it. You want to think wrong about it. You want to feel wrong about it. You want to blame, get angry, lose joy, lose peace. But it never changes your life until you say, I am going to change it. I'm going to change. And the first thing you need to change if you want to see a transformation in your life is you put God first in your life again. Say, Lord, no matter what happens, no matter what I think, no matter what I feel, no matter how I act, I'm putting you in the center so that when my life spins and my life is out of control and I'm going through distress and my thoughts are negative and my attitude is wrong, but as I stay centered on you, Lord, in your word and trusting in your character and abiding in you in prayer and worship and church and spending time with you and time and time and you're the center of my life and I give you more time. I give you more of my life. I give you more of my sacrifice. I give you more of my obedience and you're the center of my life. The devil comes and says, I'm going to spend this. Why haven't they lost faith? Why are they still worshiping? Why are they still going to church? Why do they still read the Bible? Why do they still tell their kids about Jesus? Why do they still serve? Why are they still tithing? Why are they still obedient? It's because you're centered on God and not your thoughts. You're centered on God and not your emotions. And you're centered on God. And that's why you have the right attitude. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless this word into our hearts today. For so many today, life is spinning out of control. But Father, I cringe at the people who don't have you at the center of their life. And when life is spinning out of control, it's no wonder their life is a mess. And maybe today you're here, your life seems like it's out of control and it's a mess. My question to you is, where have you placed God? On the side? At your convenience? Or the center of everything you are and everything you do? Is He most important in your life? Father, bring conviction to our hearts if you're not first in our lives today. If you're here, you're saying, Pastor, my life's out of control. My thoughts are out of control. My emotions are out of control. My attitude is out of control. The devil's getting the best of me. 
I'm not firm in my faith. I'm living with despair. It feels like mess is the best way to describe my life. It's time for you to change that tire. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Word of God. But in order to do that, you have to spend time in the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God. If your flat tire is your emotions, it's time to change it. By not relying on what you feel, don't give your feelings so much credit but rely on God and His character. And in order to do that, you need to spend time in the characters of God. Spend time in worship. Spend time in church. I will teach you the Word of God. So you will know who God is. And when you know who God is and you know the truth of who God is, the Bible says the truth will set you free free from anxiety, free from depression, free from worry, free from guilt, free from doubt, free from shame. Everything that the devil has used in your attitude to get the best of you will be denounced in the name of Jesus when he's the center of your life. And if he's getting the best of your attitude and you're just always whining and complaining and negative and mad at everyone, stop it. Just stop. And ask yourself, is this how I want to live? With no peace, with no joy, with no love, with no kindness, with no gentleness, with no self-control. Am I going to give the devil the best? Or am I going to give God my best? It's time to put him first. Change that tire. Let's all stand today. This is your prayer. And you're saying, Pastor, I'm changing that tire. God knows what you mean. If you're changing that tire today, you're tired of being stuck. You're tired of the wrong thoughts, the wrong emotions, the wrong attitudes, and you want to be more like Jesus right where you're at. You put that hand up. You're saying, Pastor, I'm changing this tire. My thoughts got the best of me. God bless you, all of you today. I want you to pray right where you're at today. If God is not the center of your life, would you confess that by showing me your hands? Be brave. Say, Pastor, I'm not mad at you. I'm just wanting to know he's not the center of your life. There you go. He's not the center of your life. But if you're making this choice today, you're saying, God, I'm sorry for not making you the center of my life. I put you to the side and I know it. But thank you, Lord, for revealing your word to me. And today, to the best of my ability, I'm putting you first again. So that when life is out of control, I stand firm. If that's you today, you put that hand up. Come on, God bless you. God bless you all around the room. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. Father, it feels like life is spinning out of control. We have all these stresses and problems and pressures. And I know, Lord, that the world will fall apart. But we who trust you as our Lord and Savior should stand firm. And there is power at the center. When you are the center of our lives, we know we experience your mighty power. Forgive us, Lord, for being so foolish and allowing our thoughts to be our God our emotions to be our God, our attitude. Forgive us for making those the center of our lives. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for anyone whose thoughts right now have them captive. And there's thoughts of guilt and shame and fear and worry. There's thoughts of isolation, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus for any depression, any despair, any emotion that has their, your children down right now. For any person that got up this morning when they felt like not getting up. For every person that made their way to this church feeling down and discouraged during this holiday season now. 
for any person that the devil is getting the best of them through the problems they're going through. For anyone, Lord, whose attitude has the best of them. They're living with rage and anger. And they have not been kind to people around them. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray for freedom to come to this church this morning. I pray that you bring joy and peace back to someone whose life has not been centered on you, Lord. And Father, as we get spun in this world through chaos and struggle and stress and pressure, I pray here at this church we will have people that stand firm in your word so that their thoughts and their emotions and their attitudes cannot get the best of them so that even though we wage war against the devil, he will lose because our lives is centered on you, Lord. And this is how we persevere. So bring strength right now in the name of Jesus with every hand up today. Father, give strength and peace to our thoughts, to our emotions, to our attitude. Set us free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Change. Change us. Amen. Amen. Come on. Give God some praise today. God bless you guys.